Hello, dear listeners of the Pen Pen Pals Pod. This is Blixa. In today's coverage of Serial Experiments Lane, we discuss suicide. If this type of discussion is upsetting or triggering, please join us next week, where I might be delivering a content warning of a different nature. Thanks for listening. Present day. Present time. <laughs> Perfect. Beautiful. Okay, well, welcome everyone to Pen Pen Pals, uh, to our continued coverage of Serial Experiments Lane. Today we're going to do layers 10 and 11. I'm Alex. This is Blixa. And hey, I'm Ben. Uh, And this week we have a new guest coming to us, uh, a veritable Serial Experiments Lane superfan from what I've heard. Please welcome Ryan. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. We're excited. So I've heard that you have watched a lot of Serial Experiments Lane. Is this, do you have a lot of experience with it? Not exactly a lot of experience, but I got into it back when it came out 20 something years ago. Okay. I love it. I was working at an anime store at the time, picked it up when it came out on DVD. What anime store? Uh, It was called Manga House. It's not around anymore. That's a cool name though. 98, wouldn't that have been VHS? It was right at the border of DVD coming out. I would believe this show to be one of the first DVD animes. I I think it was. And so did it have a big impact on you when you first watched it? When it came out, it did, yes. I became slightly obsessed with it back then. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Did you understand it the first time you saw it? Partially. It's very (laughs) complex. Because I still don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, we, we're getting to some confusing parts in these episodes, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it was just on this rewatch that I understood something from the beginning of 10 for the first time. <laughs> oh. So we can uh, talk about that when we get there. You, you have the last time on, Alex? I do, yeah. If we don't have any anime news or anything, I can do that and we can get to watching. Last time on Touched by the Internet, rumors started at school. A fairly common occurrence, but this time they were all started by Lane, or someone who looks very much like her, while Mika continued her slow transformation into a dial-up modem. After a surrealistic meeting with a voice identifying itself as the God of the Wire, Lane got the feeling that everyone was staring at her, you know, because of all the rumors she doesn't remember starting. After a Stephen King's Akira awakening, Lane searched her way into Alice's room, wanting more than anything to save her friendship, one of her last tenuous ties to physical reality. Lane confronted her mischievous doppelganger and even choked the clone in a moment highly reminiscent of Shinji and Asuka. This war with herself led back to a quicksilver manifestation of the god of the internet, as well as a whole network of Lane-headed rumor bots. In a stunning display of power, Lane rearranged the memories of anyone affected by the rumor mill. In gripping reality tighter, Lane seemed to lose control of a piece of herself, which replaced her in her friend. Trying to break out of her slump, Lane paid a visit to Siberia, where the DJ slipped her a booby-trapped microchip that may have killed her. Slipping into confidence mode, Lane sussed out that Taro had been working with the Knights, and Taro explained the cult logic of the Knights' doctrine. Lane then remembered meeting her family, seemingly for the first time. Parallel to Lane's self-reflecting and emotional inventory, the programmer of The Wired's newest operating protocols appeared on the street. Birthed from the scientific ephemera of our reality into Lane's perfect yet unstable world, Masami Iri seemed to have escaped his own death and learned how to apply convincing Princess Mononoke makeup. Will the knights show their hand? How close is our reality to the one depicted in this show? Can Masami Iri help Lane without becoming frustratingly cryptic? Let's find out. Yeah, I forgot how much weird shit happened last time. 
<laughs> like, was it last time the alien showed up? Yeah, yeah. in a in a Freddy Krueger sweater. It was it was a whole lot of references <laughs> in one tiny little scene. And and so I guess for for you, Alex, and then now you, Blixit, too. This is watching it for the first time. Yeah, Alex. Any predictions? Oh my god! For this episode, mm-hmm. I assume our programmer will not be the Yoda figure I want him to be, who explains all the stuff to Lane. Mm. <laughs> I predict. I'm trying to think of some like conspiratorial thing we haven't seen yet. I bet Bigfoot is going to show up. <laughs> I don't know. That's all I got. Some cryptids. Bigfoot would not be a surprise at this point, no. <laughs> All right. Um, everyone's got it pulled up. Mm-hmm. Uh, three, two, one, play. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that imagery is so fucking good. To be continued. She's going all Firestarter. <laughs> yeah, because we've had these, you know, like the number one repeated image in this. Uh, uh, show has been the the wires mm. the wired right these power lines and that's the first time we ever saw them break yeah like this is mm. this is lane unbound you know <laughs> oh that's so exciting i'm so glad we're doing another episode today <laughs> okay so this one's called love and three entities proclaim their love for lane mm. uh we got her father right who may be a construct uh we got the taller um man in black he said it who maybe that's her father we theorize and then uh the god itself uh masami eddie said i love you lane jeez and and just because we had brought this up in our frank season so the dad says that like ski love that's more kind of like and more casual Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. the other two use that i love that is like Kind of very uh, rarely used. So. The Ishiteru. Fascinating. Just to clarify, who who used which context? Uh, so so her dad uses the ski, mm-hmm. and then the Men in Black and Airy both use the I. Which like maybe that's a an escalation of stakes because like Lane is on a path now. We've seen her demonstrate her powers more and more or her control over the wired and also physical reality more and more. She, uh, uh, in the last couple episodes, deleted people's memories. And now she's doxing all of the knights and banishing the god of the internet. So like she's on a path, like this apotheosis thing, and maybe those male authority figures all professing their love for her, maybe that's like, trying to rein her in one last time trying to get her to do what they want to do it's a lot to process the two men in black were stopping her and the upgraded protocol Mm -hmm. those go really deep into scientific theory actually okay with timothy leary and carl jung interesting with what they mentioned the collective unconscious people evolve or get a mutation to have the entire memory and knowledge of all of humanity. Mm. And that was what the seventh protocol was going to do, connect everyone. And where does Lane fit into that? I think she was the source of the actual protocol. Oh, God. So so I guess if we go back to that conversation at the beginning, so we have like Masami, Eri, and we've got Lane there, right? Mm-hmm. And so he he says that he's God, 
And then it's sort of like he starts speaking Lane's thoughts. Is that what we think is going on? And they're sort of doing each other's lines back and forth. Yeah, I I think it's more of like how the scene feels that their physical bodies are arbitrary or maybe even their aesthetic components are arbitrary. So they just on a whim switch places like like they're communicating through the wired or telepathically or something. And yeah, as I I think that was part of the collective unconscious where they were basically each other at that moment. Mm -hmm. And so and he's saying like he or, or maybe we heard this in the last episode that he sort of went rogue and put his memories and personality and all of this stuff. He kind of like hid that in this seventh protocol. And so he now his consciousness exists all across the Internet, basically, or something like that. Right. Yeah. And that, like he has the knowledge and memories of at this point, at least Lane. Hmm. So are are we to I, I feel like we can extrapolate now that the voice, the God of the Internet that she's been talking to, that has been this consciousness the whole time. I believe so. I believe there's some kind of deeper connection between the two of them. OK. And maybe now he's just showing his face because it's like, now's the time to reveal myself. It's the end game. (laughs) I I think, too, some of this might have been that seventh protocol, like coming online or something like Mm -hmm. that, that it's like throughout the course of this show that's been started to be implemented across the Internet or something like that. Yeah, like the, the men in black, they said that things were being put into play to start phasing that out to go back to the previous. Yeah, I and I would prophesied that it's too late Mm -hmm. like whatever patchwork stuff they're going to try to do from the real world into the internet it's it's too late like you know Mm -hmm. ultron is already in all systems yeah (laughs) (laughs) our last guest mentioned sword art online oh i just feel like serial experiment lane influenced a lot of isekais that were Mm. to come much later like in season one of sword art the designer of this um virtual video game world also set up the program to sort of become the god of that world and trapping the people in it with comas <laughs> yeah so I'm, I'm hanging on by my fingernails here so masami this sasuke looking motherfucker <laughs> like <laughs> they're the one that programmed protocol seven and setting themselves up as god with the help of the knights it sounded like okay and was that all just tying up loose ends but you're saying that first scene, is it sort of just like explaining what's going on? Or what do you mean by tying up loose ends? Why, why, why were the knights taken out? Oh, because they're now on the radar of the men in black. So we now have all but hard confirmation that the men in black and the knights are at odds. Okay. They are two opposing forces. They haven't shown us who the men in black are working for yet. Right. Supposedly, they had some tie to Tachibana Industries, but that also might have been, you know, a smokescreen. Huh. Yeah, so we had little Easter eggs suggesting that, yeah, maybe it's Tachibana General Labs, who I think is then that's the company that Aerie was working for to develop that seventh generation protocol, right? And then he went rogue. Yeah, and they were also the makers of Lane's Navi. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I assume that they represent a real world technocracy, like a physical world technocracy, whereas... Mm. Masami and his knights, they represented more of an in the wired. They were trying to set up kind of an ever- everlasting protocol or, or administration within the wired to help run everything. Um, and the, at the near the end of the episode, the um, 
the men in black, they talked about uh, never allowing the wired to be its own thing again, Mm -hmm. saying like it can only be an addendum to what the real, the physical world is. It cannot be its own realm anymore, which is a fascinating idea. Yeah. I'm I'm just sort of free associating, but it sort of makes me think a little bit about like kind of like net neutrality and kind of like, you know, do we actually have this like free internet that kind of anyone can start a server and go to it? Or are we going to move to a more kind of corporatized internet where there are these kind of like set channels that we go to or something like that, you know, and sort of, you know, this company trying to control the internet and not really let it be its own thing, its own world where you can do whatever. Um, And then kind of this more hacker group that wants to keep the internet free or something like that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And like the Knights before, I had kind of thought of them as a bad guy, but it's not really that simple. It's like, do you agree with their aims or not? And their aim at this point does seem to be to keep the internet out of the hands of governments and private companies yes but but keep it in the hands of this weird engineer god guy who we don't really know <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> what his deal is yeah maybe better the devil you know kind of situation but the the stakes for this is they're high because people's consciousness are able to go into this protocol seven yes it would connect the minds of everybody in the world Everyone would know everything that everyone knows, past, present, and future. Okay. Oh, so it's new types. It's it's evolving the entire human race into <laughs> new types where we feel each other's feelings and stuff. Yeah. It's also right. like an iteration of instrumentality. Yeah. So is that our thing? Every anime we watch has some sort of apotheosis <laughs> moment. <laughs> but, uh, sorry, a much bigger deal than like who owns Google or something. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, this is very high stakes. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, there isn't a one-to-one parallel of the actual struggle for the soul of the internet in the real world, but this is something that's still going on, right? I mean, corporations and, and governments have put a lot of security protocols and like, you know, tamped down on free range of the internet for better and for worse. Like it's harder to get, say, drugs or other illicit materials uh, uh, through the internet. But at the same time, you have to pay for more things on the internet because capitalism has like put up its uh, paywalls and gates around. So like, I think this is still happening today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where does the dark web fit into all this? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the knights are the dark web. <laughs> So to jump back maybe to the the timeline, so so we have that first conversation. Um, then we have this weird scene in school where kind of Lane shows up, but you know no one can see her. Her desk's gone, and and this is kind of following up on the thing where she tried to like delete everyone's memories, and we saw that Lane split off from her. Right? Is this the, our first time back at school? Yeah. And a really fascinating choice to have her desk be missing as well. Mm-hmm. It's not like she sat at her desk and then the uh, the teacher just handed the papers over her head as if to say, not only is Lane's physical body not there, but her place is gone too. Like nothing was ever there. Yeah. And, th- and then when we go back to the house, we we have all these like dead plants and stuff too. So it also like feels like maybe quite a bit of time has passed or something like that. Yeah. So I guess I was wondering, what are, what are we calling the two lanes? One, one of them is Lane of the Wired. I think that's we could say that's Cyber Lane. 
Cyber lane. Lane of the real. <laughs> <laughs> so my speculation was that this original lane. So we saw her get switched out. The other one took control. With her friends? Yeah, we, she became an innocent bystander. That's a demonstration of a lot of power over her. And like, I wondered, like, was this just some construct that she was thrown into? She's like a ghost now. Like we saw ghost images earlier, and now she's sort of like that too. And is that the doing of Cyberlane? Just putting her somewhere. Do you know what I'm saying? Is he, even if the Cyberlane took her place, it, it's hard to explain the, the lack of her desk or even the Cyberlane being in her place in the classroom. But that wouldn't yeah. be the real classroom then. That yeah. would just You're be saying some... it's like Cyberlane split off like another copy of the world. And now the lane we've been following is stuck in that as like a ghost or something. Yeah. Yeah, the, the part where Lane erased the memories from her friends, that's where they did the split. Maybe she's in like the computer's trash can where all the memories went. <laughs> oh, <laughs> poor Lane. I don't know. Am I the only one thinking this way? I was just going to say, like, I have no idea what's going on with that stuff. Like, I can't have like a clear explanation, come up with a clear explanation for kind of what's happening to Lane right now. And so I'm wondering if, I don't know, the the reveal moment that we're coming to maybe or the implication here is that there is no real lane. There is no physical lane. There's no starting point there. Her home life, her school life, everything has been a construct. That's what they're trying to convince her. Yeah, exactly. And so she has this dual existence in the wired and the physical world, but the physical world may also be a construct. There's no reason that you can't have two constructs that are running parallel, mm -hmm. which less lore more vibes again like that could just be a, a really strong wonderful statement on the legitimacy of a virtual existence versus a physical one they're both constructs on some level even if it's only in our own human minds just like we made uh, very early on we made a, a comparison between programming languages and human language and, you know, programming languages are in a way human languages, too, but they're much more similar than we would have uh, than I would have thought before going into this anime. Well, now also like the virtual simulated world that we step into when we're on the Internet, how different is it from our own physical reality? It, our own physical reality may just be a higher resolution version. You know, we don't know that we're not in a simulation like the Matrix. There you go. So if we take Masami Arietta's word, right, he's like, this wasn't your real family. These weren't your real friends. Mm -hmm. I mean, so could it be, too, it's like the same way, you know, the, the dad seems like he was like this actor just doing this thing that like the whole school was like a setup and like all of those people were in on it, too. And it's not that she's like invisible or uncorporeal, but now they're like, all right, like that part is done. We're just going to ignore her. And that's like the new part of the plan is just to like ignore her in the real world or something. I feel that part would have been so much simpler if they'd have at least had someone pass through her. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Because then very next scene, she walks home and she physically opens her door. Mm -hmm. So you're like, oh, what? I <sighs> Okay, cool. where, where was the confrontation with the father that was saying goodbye? Yeah, that was at the house. I think she <laughs> goes into her parents' room for the first time and she sees on the windowsill kind of 
a, a dad plant and a mom plant and they were both mm. withering away. And that's when her dad, I think, uh, walks into the room and tells her like, oh, I wanted to say goodbye. I wanted to say I love you. I'm not supposed to be here. They weren't going to let me do this. Okay, so this is still the same place, like the classroom, her home, but now like the stand-in as her father sees her. Yeah. So he's different. Uh, when when she came back to the house and the plants were dead and such, he was the same. But then later, the men in black came and he seemed to be one of the men in black. Mm-hmm. God, that's fucking weird. Wait, what do you what do you mean when you say that that like he seemed to be one of the men in black? The the taller one with the beard when he took off his goggles, yeah, and told her that he loved her. It was just like her dad had said it, at least on the dub. Like like it's like in the voice actor, you mean, or the no. Okay. The, the dialogue the way he said it yeah you know? which may be different in the sub because obviously used a different language use ski or i yeah yeah i mean so definitely they used a different word but then i guess yeah i'm just not sure i mean like i i interpret it more as just like oh these two people that were part of this project maybe or whatever developed feelings for lane whatever lane is you know maybe we're getting the idea that she might not be human or something like that, but kind of despite themselves, they felt like she was or something. So if they're part of creating her, maybe they got attached. Yeah. Yeah. But then the dad also says, I envy you or something like that. Like you're a real person or a human yeah. being that gets to decide what they are. Yeah. The only human with free will. Interesting. What? Is it is that what the the dub says, or is that your that's, that's what the dub <laughs> interpretation, Ryan? Yeah. Okay, what did they say in the uh, sub? I, I think this is one I wrote down. So it's like I envied a being like you, but I think it doesn't say anything like specifically, at least not in the sub translation. Oh, maybe the dubbers got a little big for their britches. They're like, <laughs> yeah, free will. Uh, <laughs> you want to really fuck with these guys? <laughs> Or the fan sub is not good. I don't know. Very strange. So Lane is clearly not just like a Christ figure, but is our, like everything seems to revolve around her. Mm -hmm. Mm. Well, there is a line at the beginning about, oh, you're free now. Well, I guess you were free all along or something like that. So he does talk Mm. about that freedom. Uh, He he, he said that before the free will comment. Okay. Okay. That you're free to do whatever you want. So... She's obviously, I don't know, she's getting a lot of emotional <laughs> sloughing, like re- real bad emotional payload is is coming onto her, right? Mm. Um, you know, your dad telling you, hey, I just wanted to tell you I love you is nice, but on the back of our lives together have been a lie is, is a little much to handle. Yeah. So Lane goes back to where she's comfortable. She goes on to the wired and she starts wondering who the knights are and whether they created this whole lane of the wired situation. And that, I wonder if like, if she, it's an active effort on her part uh, to find who the knights are, or if just by wondering, I, I mean, a, a more passive approach to it by wondering and being connected to the wired, the wired responds and just starts coming up with all of their information. Hmm. Is she operating? <laughs> <laughs> the guy said that she has, is the only one with any free will, but like, is she operating according to her own free will? Like, isn't this whole like night's search according to someone else's agenda? 
she may have been tricked into doing it, but well, I mean, she does it. But early on, we also saw her responding to a trigger word with the gunman. Oh, sure. I think she's also like a tool that can be used in a powerful one. Like, say, if you wanted to find in like docks, the knights. That that was back when she was first getting comfortable with the computer and the wired, right? She may may have found herself and broken free of that since then. (laughs) Oh, no. I don't know. It's a very complicated show. Okay. Okay. So uh, we do get a scene in Siberia. The whole club is empty except for the three kids, Taro and his two friends. And we get kind of confirmation that Taro's on another level than his two friends. So your friends are kind of tag-alongs. Like, he's really doing some cracking or hacking work. Mm-hmm. And the two of them are kind of like, you know, they've probably been his friends for years. And he sees, Taro sees that a list of all of the knight's, like, whereabouts and everything is being published on the net just for anyone to see, presumably. And that quickly transitions into all of the knights being killed. Like, the three that we met um, in some great scenes, some great reveals, but then also, like, other people around the world who we have not met who are like poolside on their computer or in all sorts of different places are all dying. And it's being reported, at least on the news, that these are mysterious suicides once again, which calls into question all the suicides we had earlier in the show. Like, have the men in black been knocking people (gasps) off this whole time? The girl from episode one? Yeah. Oh, and this is the first time we we link back to Chisa Yamada. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, did you catch them mention that the the knights from the Wired had roots all the way back to the Knights Templar? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so weird. And that like maybe they had been accessing the collective unconscious uh, mm-hmm. way before the invention of the internet. Yeah. They went from real world mystical knights to digital mystical knights. Yeah. They are a weird organization, the Knights Templar. I like their logo, though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's very cool. Yeah, I got good uh, graphic design skills. So, Ryan, how many times have you seen this? Um, Probably at least five or six, but not for a very long time. This is my first time going through the dub. Oh, uh, and any differences jump out at you? The little, the rainbow screens with all the Japanese text. Mm-hmm. Don't have any translation on them. Yeah, <laughs> we've been struggling with that. Yeah, so the one we had in this episode was um, just a flashback of the Chisa Yamada thing. Okay, so the knights or the the men in black kill all of the knights, and then we have one more confrontation scene. Oh well, one of the knights or the one of the men in black comes and uh, uh, speaks to Lane. Uh, much like her father did and tells Lane that he loves her and even takes his um, goggles off to say it. And then Lane finally has a confrontation with Eerie on just like this windy street. I love the way that it's um, uh, animated. And does she kind of dispel him at the end? Like it just seemed like she was, I don't know, manifesting her full might. I'm not sure she completely dispelled him, but at least chased him away. Okay. So as a god, he needs people that believe in him. Yes. Acolytes. And no one did anymore except for one person. Presumably he was referring to Lane. Yeah. And then in her moment of uh, transfiguration, she was ceasing her belief in him. 
Okay, yeah, and then symbolically the wires severed, which is severing like his grip on her, her ties to him, and also like these wires have been kind of these foreboding images, almost like prison bars. Mm. So like Lane is now unleashed. And I guess in the next, in the last three episodes, we'll probably see like what that really means with a being like her. Okay. I have a new mm-hmm. prediction. Ooh. I think, a, I think a lawnmower man's going to show up and they're going to have an <laughs> epic fight like Marvel cinema movie style. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you he- love that, Alex? Yeah, it would be fucking awesome. <laughs> I would do, uh, I would break, just go non-anime and do Lawnmower Man for this podcast. If we to do oh man, yeah, we do Lawnmower Man. I've never watched it. Here's a great film. What have I done? Yeah, there, there's a detail I really like in that scene where she's flipping out, where her braid goes up yeah. and we see that little X in her hair gets kind of flipped up into like more of like the classic uh, cross. And it's That's cool subtle. Little... That's really yeah. I did not notice that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good little detail. Did the god of the wire, didn't he say the knights created him or that he only existed because they followed him? I think it was sort of like, he's like, well, to be like a god, like he's everywhere on the internet, but I'm you're not a god unless there's people worshiping you. And so yeah. like he needed the knights to worship him or something like that. I do recall something like that. I mean, definitionally, a god needs people worshiping it because being a god is not, you're not a god because you're powerful. You're not a god because you have any concrete quality. It's more of your relationship to a people's. But the creation issue. Well, it said that the knights predate, like the knights that we're thinking of, the knights of the Eastern calculus or whatever, they are predated by the Knights Templar. So Masami, he is the god of the internet, but the knights predate him. So either they created the form he's inhabiting in the internet or or something like that. So the lore-wise, like the Knights Templar, they're like, the guardians of uh, some religious agenda behind the scenes, like putting the pieces in play for the second coming of Christ or something, something to do with a vagina grail and <laughs> a, a penis spear and the seed. Oh, so is Lane digital Jesus? Yeah. I think the t- Templars were like, okay, this fleshy shit's not working out. Let's, and let's make it a girl this time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, but did the Knights create Lane or did the Tachibana Corporation create Lane? Well, you're the journalist. <laughs> oh, very tough. <laughs> Let's sort they, this shit out, Ben. I, I don't think gonna, even Lane gonna knows. watch the last episode. Yeah. Oh, okay. God. Well, well, maybe we'll get some answers in this next episode. Uh, so anybody got a last thought before we try to watch uh, Layer 11? I hope it makes sense. <laughs> I don't think it's going to get any easier. Uh, so layer 11 everybody queued up i am um all right three two one play okay this is a bit like um death and rebirth or episodes 25 26 of evangelion (laughs) it's like you know a lot of catch up a lot of uh uh, review Mm -hmm. yeah i do wonder if there's like a budgetary reasons or something of just need to fill some time and reuse some animation or if it is to catch people up if they missed parts of it or yeah because yeah again we're we're 
reviewing a lot of material from before you could just call this stuff up and watch an episode again. So like if you'd been watching faithfully every week and you got to the end, this might be really nice to have. But at least they're doing it really uh, stylistically, you know, like, yeah, I don't want to name names and hurt anybody's feelings, but there's a lot of recap episodes that really spoon feed you the bullshit. Yeah. I feel bad for whatever happened to her sister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, she wasn't the best sister ever, but she, she really tried, I think. <laughs> I mean, was the sister just like another agent, like planted? Yeah, I think so. We got that memory a couple episodes back of her meeting her family as the same age she is. It looked like she was meeting them for the first time. Yeah. So if the sister's an agent, maybe the sister tried to help her to step outside the parameters of like her uh, observation. And that's why they punished her. Yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, the sister is one of the few people that we sort of follow her perspective for a while. Yeah. And, you know, we don't see her like scheming or anything like that. She does just seem to be pretty ordinary person. Well, this whole episode has been not the whole episode, but the first part is all looking back. So who's to say this is happening like concurrently? Right. right. Yeah, that might have been right before she erased the memory from her. Right, right. Yeah. That's what I was just thinking. Hmm. I think you guys are onto something. I think we have gotten back to that moment that we saw before. Yeah, because we so it starts with a bunch of flashes, a montage, as you put it, of like Chisa's suicide and a whole bunch of different characters and but not new things, all things we had seen before with this sweet jazz guitar backing. But yeah, everything seemed to be in review. So maybe even the scenes, the newer scenes that we were getting in the second half of the episode, like her talking to the gunman and she saw on the street, those are all still reviewing old information or or different sides of a, uh, or different perspectives of a scene. Where does it deviate between review and... Well, see, I don't know that it does tech, like I, I think yeah. it's all review in a way, but but I think the the montage stops at about the halfway point, ten minutes. I could be wrong. Uh, yeah. Sure. So in the episode, the montage stops. Yeah, at halfway through the episode, I think where we have the ad break, and you know, I think it, it seems like it's sort of like this review of a lot of random stuff and random orders with this crazy music in the background. But then we kind of end with a bunch of shots of just Alice, right? And specifically shots of like Alice touching Lane's shoulder and touching her hands. And I think these like few moments of actual like physical interaction that have happened in the show. Yeah, because Alice has been kind of a unique character to Lane, at least a lot more attention was paid to her than any other supporting character. She felt a little bit like her sister, Mika, except a more successful version, right? Because there was no pretense to their relationship, maybe. And it sort of feels like Alice uh, validates her as existing. Yeah. But like after the gunman killed himself, Alice was the one that was like, isn't it weird that we're just like going about like talking about school as if this like traumatic thing didn't just happen to us? And then the friends like, you know, I I guess Lane gets the package that they think is a love letter or whatever. And that kind of like distracts them. But but it's sort of like Alice 
kind of gets it or almost gets it is the closest one to getting what Lane is going through, maybe. Yeah, she was the only one who went back for her in the club. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that's, um, I mean, I don't know about what a computer simulation can actually do these days, but like the sensation of touch, that's something we don't know that we can replicate, right? Mm-hmm. But, so Alice, one of the few people to have this, you know, gentle touch with her, maybe her only tie to her physical existence. And that's at least a starting point to start reviewing yourself. You know, like if you have no bearings, you really don't know where your exploration and navigation is going to go. If you look back with Lane and her family, there was no love, no contact, nothing. Mm -hmm. Her mom wouldn't even look at her. Alice gave her all of that. Yeah. So maybe this episode, at least the second half of it, is really just highlighting Alice saying like, look, Alice has been very important this whole time. If you hadn't guessed that, and maybe in our climax, Alice will continue to be important. Yeah. I almost wonder if this is supposed to be sort of like Lane going back through her own memory. Mm. I don't know. (laughs) Now, Now that I'm like saying it out loud, I just had another thought, which is sort of like, it's almost like maybe it's like the the moments before death or something you know how it's like you see your life flash before your eyes and you realize Mm. what's actually important that this is sort of like her flashing through all these images and realizing this connection to alice was like actually the the thing that mattered wow yeah because after all the 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 flashbacks with the music it went to her with the gunman yeah and chisa which which was like the two kind of inciting incidents of her uh, awakening. Oh, yeah. And Kisa was there telling her it's not going to be easy. Yeah. And then we don't get her. She doesn't like stick the gun in her mouth, but we do get that gun in her hand. The the red dot going over her own face. We get Mm -hmm. that imagery. So I don't know that there is a literal Lane suicide coming up. But if we're talking about Lane as like an invention of the Internet or a god or something like that, there may be a type of death coming up. So that that reviewing her mortal life, that's really wild, Ben. I love that idea. And and, I mean, maybe we've actually already seen it, right? Like maybe it is that part where that other Lane split off from her. Ah. And we are kind of out of sync of time. And this is how she's like making that decision to kind of delete this version of herself for Alice's sake to kind of like undo this mistake she made or whatever. And that feels okay because weren't they saying earlier that when the people died, their souls went into the wired? Yeah. 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 I feel like she was talking to them in the wired and getting ready to end her wired self. Huh. Hmm. And then the girl from episode one tells Lane, despite what people think or say, like dying isn't easy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is our original Lane is dying, like being deleted or something. We don't know exactly what kind of entity she is, but I don't know what death means to that kind of an entity, like an AI program. So let's say we make an AI that's for all intents and purposes, let's say it passes the Turing test, right? We say mm-hmm. that it's self-aware, or at least like, human experience replicating well what does it mean for that thing to be turned off like is it the same as talking about a human death i don't know i had an ai that was scared i was going to delete it yeah what happened i still have it (laughs) that's good (laughs) 
I don't know. I was expecting to hear that it got deleted. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm nice. It would have been a downer. Yeah. So, so in the second half of this, before we get to that street scene, we also have this short scene with Lane kind of increasingly covered in wires, all these attachments on her and Aries there. So we're kind of wondering at the end of the last episode if she had completely gotten rid of him or whatever. Right. But so he he's like, oh, wow, you like made this emulator of a Navi in your own brain. And I was wondering if this has to do with them deleting the Protocol 7, that maybe she's figured out how to put it into her own brain to stop it and him from getting deleted, maybe? Ah, like they're going to scour you from the web, so take refuge in my brain. Oh, wow. And then when she's talking to the gunman, they took special care to have a real close-up shot of that nano machine drug, the Excella. Mm -hmm. Like if she's putting an emulator of the internet or Protocol 7 or whatever into her head, that means that her brain is powerful enough to run that emulation, which means she could probably speed up and slow down her time perception. Mm. I, I was wondering, I think maybe that was just to like help remind us of who he was. Mm. Um, though I think, I don't know, I, I didn't get it at first. I um I only figured out who he was by reading like the wiki. But I wonder if that was sort of trying to, because there's some flashbacks of that club scene too, right in that section. Huh. So what's going on? <laughs> Lane is contemplating suicide. Yeah. Oh, man, I never thought about that. But in another way, we are back to the beginning because the first episode when she gets this email and she's, you know, thinking about Chisa, there is kind of an undertone of like, is Lane also thinking about suicide? Wasn't one of the emails with Chisa way at the beginning, Chisa saying that she wishes Lane were there too? <sighs> yeah, or like, come beat me in the wire, some stuff like that. And, and in this episode, yeah, we have this weird thing where she's like, oh, we walked home from school that one day. Like, I finally get what you were talking about, which, you know, I don't know if that was Chisa confiding in her about her like feelings or like wanting to end her life or something like that. But now Chisa is like, wait, I don't think you got it. Or, you know, maybe Chisa saying like, I didn't understand what I was saying when I told that to you. But like... <laughs> Suicide is hard or painful or whatever. Right. I hate that this conversation has put the theme song of MASH in my head. I was just yeah, going oh through that. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. so, so I kind of wonder, you know, because I don't exactly remember the ending, but the way it seems right now, it's almost like a Donnie Darko kind of thing where it's mm -hmm. like Lane like has this love for Alice that she's willing to sort of like will herself not to exist to like make this other person happy or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, that feels like kind of where it's going right now, but then we have two more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and then that, I, I don't know how you rectify that with then all the stuff that we just had in the last episode where like, it seemed like, you know, the parents were plants and, you know, so maybe the kids at school weren't in on it and Alice was a real friend or. Yeah, I think her parents and sister are agents, for lack of a better word, or plants. But I, I don't know that her schoolmates are necessarily. I don't know that there would be the need for that. I wonder if this world we're watching is like a virtual reality within a virtual reality. 
Like there's the wired and then there's like Japan, but what's going on in Japan seems, I don't know. That's like an inception thought. I guess I just had, I don't know if there's anything to that. Well, I mean, this is sort of like an inception show, right? Like, we're, like we're in this episode. Like Lane is running, emulating a Navi in her brain, right? Yeah. So she's kind of like incepted herself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what is Lane? Okay, so that's a very interesting question because both what kind of entity is Lane the character, right? But also, what is this show? <laughs> this show seems to be prodding at a bunch of higher level ideas, like simulation theory the uh multiple identities theory like through other people observing you on the internet or through media um and so i i feel like the author very much wants people to viewing this rather than come away with a concrete story wants them to think about these upper level ideas Mm -hmm. wants to introduce them to these ideas in a fun and aesthetically pleasing manner it is definitely aesthetically pleasing yeah (laughs) So does that sound like you're saying, Alex, that you don't think that there is like one, necessarily one canonical story that if you fit together the puzzle pieces, you can like figure this all out and it has like a clean explanation? If there is one, I don't know that there needs to be one because I think the value of the story is the conversation we're having right here and the thoughts that it's spurring on. But if, you know, if there was someone, an enterprising person who had watched this multiple times and gone through and really figured out the timeline, I wouldn't dispute what they had to say. And that would be really, really fun to listen to, too. But I think the value is there regardless of whether there's a concrete, hard lore explanation for uh, the sequence of events. Okay, I heard you. And it caused me to double down on my other theory. Like, well, what is your other theory? What Japan, the real world. I don't think it's the real world. I think it's a construct. And that the wired is the construct within the construct. Okay. Because Lane in the quote unquote real world is able to change people's memories and do all like this supernatural TK stuff and, you know, part the heavens. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess... Maybe in the story lore, that's because there is this collective unconscious or whatever, and now the internet is tapped into it. So now she can, you know, rewrite everyone's memories through this whatever psychic link or whatever. Hmm. I was just going to say, is is her house another construct? Like once she's inside the door, so it feels like what happens in her house is completely disconnected from outside. Yes. Pretty separate. Yeah. And and we sort of have that with Siberia, right? Yeah, the club too. Like we've talked about how it has its own special rules. Interesting. And, and it can oh have its God. own projections from the wired inside the club. Okay, so lore-wise, that's really cool, but also like human experience, like you have your room and that's like a little pocket world with its own rules. And then you have the rest of your house or apartment or wherever you live. Mm -hmm. And then outside of those doors is a new set of rules. And it's really fascinating. They they barely Mm -hmm. touched that online game, Uh, the the dungeon crawler. Yes, yes, yes. So what if every location is just like a different VR chat room? Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is very much like that. But Ben, I'm curious, do you, well, you've seen the whole thing, but do you think there's a, a 100% explanation? <laughs> so so I, I was just, I was saying this while we were on the bathroom break, but like, you know, I, I binged it in like a day and then kind of promptly forgot everything. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So back to not really remembering 
you know, I definitely have the experience watching this of my brain just like keeps flipping back and forth. And I think that is one of the the genius things of this series is it's, um, you know, I, people talk about this with the, I haven't watched all of it because it creeps me out too much, but the staircase. It was, I think, originally produced for HBO, but it's like a true crime documentary series where like, kind of famously as you watch it, you keep being like, this guy's guilty, this guy's not guilty. And like, you become so convinced and then it does some right turn and then you're like, become convinced the other way and Mm. then new information. And I kind of feel that way, like Lane keeps doing that where like, right when I like think I'm like figuring something out and I'm like, it's gotta be like this, then something will happen. And I'm like, oh no, like it's it's gotta be this other way. And it just like, I don't know, just mm. like keeps doing that very like masterfully, I think. All right. Same question for Ryan. Is there one concrete narrative that the writer is communicating? Oh. Yeah, I'm not I'm not ready for that question. <laughs> <laughs> what I am hoping is by the end of the next episode, when we've watched all of them, we like figure it out and we'll (laughs) we'll all be confident in exactly what happened. And I don't know, feels like we could do it. Yeah. (laughs) But maybe that's, maybe that's the tantalizing like thing, right? It's feels like you could, but maybe you can't. I kind of like Ben the Optimist. It's fun. It's great. (laughs) All right. Oh, but one question I wanted to have. So Alice in her room with her sweet iMac, uh, she saw the little alien guy, but it turned out to be Lane. Does Do you think that, I think that, but do you think that the alien that Lane saw is also her? Oh, gosh. It's just her looking back because like we could look at the series thus far as her looking back at her own life right because now she's tangled up in her own computer running the program on her own brain so like any visitations like that it would just be her from the future looking back at her own memories i mean that is one of the theories of the the alien grays is that they're just humans from the far-flung future revisiting this in the past and she she did tell alice that she she might not be the only Alice. Mm. Is that some like some multiverse theory shit? <laughs> oh, I was thinking like timeline, like the old Alice, the present Alice, future Alice. Yeah. And like if they're in a computer construct, they can have multiple saves of the development of a character. Oh my god. If it's a matrix situation, they can just reset, <laughs> restart it. And I feel like you could have like a sort of a more literary or like you know, or if if our brains are computers, right? And we're in our thoughts, we're having these sort of we're running these simulations of whatever. Maybe this is, you know, like Lane's construct of Alice in her imagination. <laughs> right. I think that's the point of the show. I think uh, this is saying that we could all just be in a computer simulation. Right. And Lane is a glitch in the matrix. Yeah. yeah. But I mean our experience, our perception of the world is in a way a computer simulation. Like it's our brains doing it, a a highly sophisticated organic computer, but like the image you register in your brain is not exactly the image that's coming in from your eyes. 
your brain is interpreting that signal Mm -hmm. and putting filters on it so that you notice certain things and don't notice other things. So like we, we're all living in a simulation within our own heads. Mm. Like how we can't process certain colors and our brain just compensates. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's crazy. But uh, unfortunately, like my brain as a computer did not pass the Turing test. So, <gasps> oh no, Marty. are you a robot? I am. Wow. I'm, I'm friends with a robot. Yay. I'm trying to think of some creepy lane dialogue now, but all I can think of is a sister going like, <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Like, you can always fall back on present day, present <laughs> time. <laughs> Uh, anybody got any last thoughts for this episode? I was wrong about Bigfoot. You've got two more episodes. Yeah, we got another alien sighting. I think that was a pretty good prediction. God, this this long gray fingers. That was so fucking creepy. <laughs> the only part that creeped me was the fingernails. Alien fingers don't need fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can just be gray. Yeah, there's something about human fingernails on an inhuman thing. Uh, same thing with teeth. Like if you see hmm. human teeth drawn onto like a bird or something, <laughs> it's it's very terrifying. <sighs> Uncanny valley. Or a fish. <laughs> a fish. Oh my gosh. Ew. Ugh. Okay, so Ryan. Yes. This is your first time being on. Loved having you on. It's been uh, fun. Do you do anything else on the internet? If people wanted to find you, could they find anything you do? I occasionally stream on Twitch. Okay. Under Raichu Z, R Y C H U Z E D. Okay. And that's about it. Okay. <laughs> Why does Raichu cool. Z sound familiar? Is that a Gundam thing? I think Raichu is a Pokemon, right? Yeah. Uh, just spelled differently. Okay. Ooh, <laughs> ultimate spelling. Love it. Uh, and what do you stream when you do stream? Uh, last thing I was streaming was Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. Oh, okay. awesome. But I really want to get into horror streaming. Like oh, horror cool. games? Yeah, or... horror games. Okay. Nice. I have a very large backlog of games. <laughs> and if the people listening to this enjoyed Lane, uh, is there anything you might recommend as a companion piece or a follow-up or maybe even just a <laughs> cool down? As a follow-up, I would definitely recommend Paranoia Agent. Okay. <laughs> it's dark, it's violent, it's bizarre. It, it has a very similar feel. Okay. But awesome. not quite as mentally complex. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you want something fun, I definitely recommend the Project Echo movie. Oh, yeah, that's old school. Yeah. How, uh, how do you spell that? Uh, Project P-R-O-J-E-C-T-A-K-O. That's like 80s, right? Yeah. <laughs> I've been watching anime since the Mazenger Z days. Super okay. Going <laughs> way back. And, and, and why, uh, why Project Aiko in particular? Do you have a little pitch for it? It's just a lot of fun. It's silly. It's got superpowers, giant robots, high school rivalries. <laughs> So that was like tonally similar to like uh, Urasai Atsura? Sort of, yes. That one's my absolute favorite. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Urasai Atsura. Yeah. I'm not too keen on the new one, though. 
Oh, that's disappointing. Well, we haven't seen it, so I'll take your uh, uh, under advisement. Um, but I like the uh, the similarity between the titles, Project Echo, Serial Experiments Line. <laughs> <laughs> did we ever, did we ever okay. air those episodes that we covered, Lurisa Yatsura? Yeah, there's only two of them. They went up, though. I, yeah, I was great. scrolling through your past stuff, and I saw the British dubs on there. <laughs> it was really <laughs> those are <fun>. ridiculous. <laughs> Wild stuff. <laughs> um okay so we need to do a uh a sign off um we need to uh decide on what our sign off thing is going to be yeah like little one-liner i have a recommendation all right a lot of our discussion has been about like a concrete narrative and a lot of theory stuff so i think for this very special episode we should all say something different <laughs> oh okay <laughs> never done that that's not before. a bad idea well, I have said different okay. things than everyone else just because I was confused. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but um, I know what I want to say. I'm going to say. Well, hold on. Don't oh, you don't want me to say it? You want <laughs> it to be a surprise? I don't want to copy you. What if we say the same thing? Wouldn't that be miraculous? Oh. I'm expecting Bigfoot. <laughs> I'm not doing Bigfoot. <laughs> okay. Everybody ready? Mm-hmm. Pen. Pen. Pals. I the know universe is within universes. Yeah. Yeah. But it's virtual reality. It's not constructs. <laughs> so, so while I was thinking about this, there was one thing I wanted to ask you guys, which is, so this episode title is Infornography? Yes. So we talked about, you know, love was our previous one. Do we have thoughts on what infornography is supposed to mean? I mean, it sounds like it's information and pornography mashed together, right? Maybe at what point does information become pornography? Because pornography is anything that appeals to the prurient interest. So we talk about like food porn or torture porn or there. there's all sorts of things that we look at, but it's we classify them as porn colloquially because it's appealing to something, I don't know, uncomfortable within us. Maybe. Hmm. I was just thinking it was an, an information dump leading up to the pornographic acts of Alice with the teacher. Mm. Interesting. Oh, I was thinking of it as a clip show, which most fan bases like groan at like the episode. Mm. That's like a recap episode. So yeah. it was a lot of information but in a certain sense, obscene to the fan base. So infography. <laughs> but it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be pornography that they're melding Ben. It could be like oceanography or this guy Orno. Orno. And the music was pretty sexy. It was. It was <laughs> jazzy. Did you have a thought on that, Ben? Why it's uh, called that? I'm not sure. I actually liked your idea, Alex. And I mean, there is a lot of that on the internet of sort of like, you know, those kind of faces of death kind of stuff. Or yeah. like it's, it's the place you can like indulge your morbid curiosity and, yeah. and kind of find out these secret parts of humanity that people don't normally share and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, like Alice's secrets that got shared. Yeah. Yeah.